Awesome. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read from Genesis chapter 39 today, and I'm I'm really just gonna have kind of a family conversation. Is that okay? Yeah. I really want to have a family conversation with you today, and uh, I have. I have been speaking for the last couple of weeks from Ephesians chapter 4, and we've been discussing the fivefold ministry. I'm sure, like me, many of you have heard a handful of messages on the fivefold ministry the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And what we've read throughout the last two weeks is that that group. Uh, that leadership group that's been anointed and appointed by Jesus, Paul says, is there to equip the saints for the work of the... Most of you guys know this. So let's review. They're there to equip. Everybody say equip. equip. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm, called I'm called to be, to be equipped. equipped. Yeah, that means you're not called to be in lack You're called to possess equipment to execute the calling that's resting upon your life. You have what you need to walk in the calling that's on your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so God's leadership in your life is there to equip. Say equip one more time. Equip you for the work. Everybody say work. Work. Of the ministry. Everybody say ministry. ministry. Now, this word ministry is interesting because I think some people tune it out and they say, well, I'm not called to that. I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be on the worship team. I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to be, uh, you know, in the clergy. I'm not called to be paid uh, by the church. I'm called to business. I'm called to something else. But actually, when you do a word study, on the word ministry, it actually paints a really cool picture. It's a, it's a word that illustrates something, which is this, to wait tables. It, don't you guys find that interesting? It, it means to serve tables, which I don't know many people who are rushing to sign their name to a list to serve tables. A lot of people want positions of authority and influence, but not very many people want positions of serving, especially waiting tables. Am I right? But that is what God's leadership in your life has been anointed to do, to equip you, which that word there means to create a goal and move you towards it for the work. We said, we said the word all together work. And I looked that up in the Greek too. You know what it means? Work. It means elbow grease. It means sweating, physical, labor, work. And so when we ask you to serve at church or even your boss asks you to do something at work, I want you to know that God has this little, you know, seemingly hidden agenda, which is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And Paul continues, so that you might grow, everybody say grow, into the full stature and maturity, everybody say maturity, Maturity. of the man Jesus Christ. And so see, God wants you to become like Jesus, but God understands something that's very subversive. It goes against the grain of our culture. If you're going to grow and you're going to mature and you're going to become like Jesus, you're going to have to work and wait tables. 
I knew I wasn't going to get a whole lot of amens on that. It's okay, all right? I, I recognize that because nobody wants to work and wait tables, but God has a designed prescription for our growth, for our maturity, for us to bear fruit, for us to walk into uh, our calling, and for us to become like Jesus, which is to work and to wait tables, serving one another in love. And it's really subversive because that's not the way that our culture works. This is something we've been talking about for a few weeks, but I feel like, guys, honestly, I feel a passion kicking on the inside of me to continue to talk about growth and serving and contribution, not being a consumer, but being a contributor, because I feel that God is stirring us up as a family to maturity to grow up, to be mature in the body of Christ, to walk, talk, feel, see like Jesus does. So in order to do that, we're going to have to contribute. I want to give you guys a little bit of history on our church and and why I'm preaching this today. I told you we're going to have a family conversation, and some of you guys were in Welcome to Church today for the first time, so you already know some of this. But in, um, I think, September of 2011, we launched this ministry, which at the time was called Iris Nashville. You guys know who Heidi and Roland Baker is? Anybody in here know who that is? A few of you guys know who that is. If you don't know who that is, just Google them. YouTube Heidi Baker, I promise you it'll be worth it. You may go through a box of Kleenex because she just has this gift to make you weep. All right, it's awesome. And uh, before I was here in Nashville, before Allison and I were married, I was a missionary with Heidi and Roland in Mozambique, Africa. And I worked with Iris Global. I was also a missionary in Andhra Pradesh, India, Southeast India, for five years. So when I first moved to Nashville, I really didn't plan on being a pastor. I know that might sound strange because today, most of the time when you hear from church planters, they have like all this strategy and they have like a checklist and they're going to raise this money. And uh, to be honest with you guys, when we first began, I had no intention of being a pastor. I just wanted to have a really cool missions base with my friends where I could serve locally when I came home from India. And then have a discipleship school where we could train up world changers and send them out all around the world to make a difference with Jesus. So initially that was, for me, that was my plan. And we would meet at 7 p.m. on Sunday evenings and we would worship sometimes until 3 a.m. in the morning. So it wasn't what you would call a seeker-friendly church. It wasn't that kind of church that you'd want to bring your friends to if you weren't sure if they were cool with somebody, you know, laid out on the floor weeping. Yeah, maybe I'm not going to invite that friend, you know, because like, you know, I don't want people to be turned off or get scared. We were not the kind of church that you would invite your friends to at first, but we were the kind of church that really loved Jesus and really wanted to love other people as best we could. So we did this for a little bit. We launched with a conference and we served Nashville as a ministry. And at the very moment we launched Iris Nashville, very interesting. My parents launched Promised Land in Owensboro, Kentucky. It's their local church in Owensboro, Kentucky. And after just a few years, we started to think about this. Allison and I had been married now. We'd settled into the pastorate. And we started to talk about what would it be like to to be one church, you know, two different locations. We're in Nashville, you're in Owensboro, but what would it be like if we joined forces? You know, after all, you are my dad, you are my mom. Like, I feel like we should be doing this together, you know? 
So we talked about this for a few years, and that's how we arrived where we are today with Legacy Nashville, our local church. Some of you guys know, some of you guys don't. We launched Legacy in January of 2016, and then we really launched our you know, Sunday morning services, I think it was September 11th of last year. So when you think about the age of this church, we've existed here for a while as a ministry, but we've really only been a local church for about a year and a half. We've really only, according to one of my coaches, Banning Leapshire at Jesus Culture Church in Sacramento, um, California, we've really only been a church since September of last year. Because he was like, oh, you're not really a church till you have a Sunday morning, especially in the buckle of the Bible belt. You know, like Nashville, you got to have a Sunday morning, man. Nobody goes to church unless it's on a Sunday morning, you know, and here we are launching at 4 p.m., you know, going for it. But the reason I bring all of this up is because when we planted and began to build as best we knew how, we didn't really have any traditional church plant strategies. We just had a passion burning in our hearts for Jesus and for people. So as we began to talk and, and, and pray and discuss and strategize with my parents, our pastors, we decided that it would be a good idea to create a mission statement for our church's legacy. And for about six months, we prayed, we had phone calls, we did different iterations, and we came up with what we felt was a really good why that we are a church. It is this, to grow the family of God. You guys say it, to grow the family of God. So if you didn't know why we're a church, why we're a ministry, that's why. We're here to grow the family of God. And when I share that with people, you know, we've kind of memorized it now. And it's the same in Legacy Owensboro as it is here in Legacy Nashville. We're here to grow the family of God. And we say that a lot because we want to galvanize the church community around that mission because that's what we feel like God's mission for legacy is, to grow the family of God. Now, there's two terms in that mission statement that I know are quite ambivalent. Like, you're like, what are you talking about when you say family, Lyle? I don't have a great family. I don't like family. In fact, I can't. You know, I can't hardly stomach that word. I grew up in a dysfunctional home. I grew up without both parents. I grew up with, you know, whatever it is, like for a lot of us, that has been our experience. And so when we say family, for some people, it stings. It hurts. It's like, ouch, I'm not sure I want to be a part of a family. I think I might just rather go to a church that just, you know, meets my needs. Not a family, dude. Like that's too intense. That's too scary. So we thought we ought to define family in accordance to what we feel like God's speaking to us about family. And here's what we feel. We feel that family is where you're loved into your purpose. So if you've ever heard us say family and you've wondered, what do you guys mean? It's this, where you're loved into your purpose. So we don't want to build a brand. We don't want to start a business. We want to grow a family. Can I get two good amens on that? We want to grow a family. And really, that is so countercultural. You know, family, family is, can, can I say this and be honest with you? Family is something that I know that our generation is craving at such a deep level. And I know you know that too. But, but family has become such an inner craving amongst our generation that I think a lot of churches have begun to use the word family. And um, 
You know, the temptation is to use the word family as a marketing strategy and not go after it as a functional reality. Because we've identified a need in the generation that this generation wants family. So we could post up family all over the place for the purpose of getting people through the doors, but never actually cultivate a real family. We could be responding and marketing to this need, but never actually cultivating a real family. And so I just want you guys to know when we say to grow the family of God and we say family is where you're loved into your purpose, this is not a marketing scheme. This is something that we're doing our best to live out. We're trying our best to love our way through the darkness. We're trying our best to be like, I don't exactly know how to create this, but we're going for it. So I just want you guys to know that. We're really, truly pursuing as best we know a family. We don't always get it right, but we are doing our best before the Lord with the grace Jesus gives us. To grow the family of God. And the other word there is grow. You know, maybe some are turned off by family. Others are turned off by growth. Growth? What are you talking about, man? What do you mean growth? Are you guys just trying to, you know, build your business? You trying to build your brand? You just want me to invite my friends to church so that it can be full and you can get good pictures for Instagram? Like, what are you guys talking about whenever you say grow? So we thought it would be good to explain to you what we mean when we say grow. Here's what we say grow. You growing in your spirit as an individual first and foremost. I'm not talking about you growing in stature. I'm talking about you growing in spirit. When I talk about you growing, I'm talking about you becoming more like Jesus. How many of you guys want to become more like Jesus? So I just want you to know that you're a part of a family who feels that their God-given assignment is to do everything that we can within the context of community to coach you, help you, serve you, love you, to become more like Christ. That is the mission, to grow the family of God. And as we grow as individuals, we will grow collectively. Sure, more people will come as we advance the kingdom of God. Salvations happen. People get restored. People get healed. People get delivered. People come into family. Yes, that happens. Because as we're transformed to fulfill the great commandment, we become a transformation to execute the great commission. That was good. Did somebody tweet that? Please, somebody tweet that. I got I to gotta pin that. I got to pin that to my profile. But that, that's, I just want you to know, there is a purpose behind what we do here. We're not just saying this as a marketing strategy. We feel this is a prophetic plan from Jesus for our family. So we feel like that's what we're cultivating, a family that grows. Now, this whole idea of growth, as I explained to you earlier, really connects very well to Ephesians chapter 4. Because what we learn through Ephesians chapter 4 is this, is that your growth is connected to your contribution. If you're not serving, then you won't grow. I'm going to just leave that right there. That should be accompanied by that meme of Kermit saying, but that's none of my business. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Your growth if you're, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Your growth is connected to your contribution. Yeah. If you're serving, you can steward growth, maturity, fruit, blessing, favor, reward, expansion, becoming more like Jesus. That is the subversive secret to your growth. 
Because our, our culture does not subscribe to that. Our culture does not look to contribute. Our culture looks to consume. And so Christ comes in the opposite spirit and he says, I did not arrive here to be served, but I came here to serve. We see the culture of the kingdom of God in Christ when he takes off his jacket after dinner, he kneels down, wraps a towel around his waist and begins to wash the dirty feet of imperfect people. One of which who was a demon, Judas. And so this is the direction that Jesus takes us. He moves us in the direction of love. But if we listen to our culture today, we'll move in the direction of consumption. And our soul bent will not be to mature. Our soul bent will be to acquire. And, and that's what the Bible calls the love of money. And that's what Jesus says, you can't serve if you're trying to serve him. You guys with me today? Is it getting too heavy already? What I'm hoping to do today is I want to turn our focus a little bit as a church family and as your pastor speak into your life some. Turn away from consumption. Turn away from the spirit of the age. Turn away from consumerism that says, I got to get everything right now. I got to get more stuff. I got to get more stuff. I got to be better than other people. I got to have the best stuff that's available. I got to have the newest stuff that's available. I got to have the most followers. I got to have the most influence. I got to have the most power. I got to look the best, smell the best, be the best. I'm the best. It's, it's this cycle of consumerism that we get caught in, and unfortunately, we spend years in the cycle, and those years that we spend consuming are years spent not maturing. Wow. Because when we turn our focus to becoming like Jesus, we'll turn away from consumerism, and we'll turn towards contribution. This is the way of Christ. The way of Christ is contribution. The way of Christ is serving one another in love. The way of Christ is to stoop down, not to stand up and say, look at me. Look how awesome I am. Follow me. I'm the best. But Christ stoops down and he points his head toward the feet of those that would betray him and he washes their feet in love and he serves them and he shows us today and it's still relevant as it was that day in the upper room when they received the Eucharist for the first time. It's still just as relevant to us today. I would even say more relevant. Because of the constant bombardment of this spirit of consumerism that jumps out of our pocket through our phone and punches us in the throat and says, you are not valuable because of what you don't have. But children of God, let me tell you, you are worthy not because of what the world says that you should have, but because of what you've already received through the gift of God in Jesus Christ, who lives in you, breathes through you, speaks through you, thinks through you, feels through you, and serves through you. And when we begin to do that, we begin to embody the very spirit of Christ and represent, a.k.a. represent Jesus to the world afresh. The suffering servant that stooped down so that he could grow up. He matured and he bared fruit not to consume and fill his plate, but to divide it up. The fishes and the loaves so that he could feed 5,000 people. I believe that God wants to multiply food through your life, but you got to stop eating the fish and scarfing down the loaves and bring them up to heaven, break them, bless them, and be willing to share them. And I'm not just talking about a Long John Silver's kids meal. I'm talking about favor. I'm talking about real, real favor and success and blessing and love. 
God wants to multiply that through your life. And the reason I think we don't see more miracles is because we're consuming what God's called us to contribute. The reason why some people are not fruitful is because they eat every single seed that gets given to them. When they should be sowing, they're scarfing. No, God didn't give that to you just for you. He gave that to you for Nashville. He gave that to you for for India. He gave that to you for Africa. He gave that to you for Thailand. He gave that to you for your generation. I mean, if the disciples would have just eaten everything that Christ passed to them, the 5,000 wouldn't have been fed. But they, but they specifically obeyed and they specifically bent themselves to say, I won't eat first because I'm a leader. I won't eat first because I'm mature. I don't have to eat first because I'm a disciple. I'm going to let you eat because I know there's plenty more where this came from. And I know when I move my hand to serve and when I move my hand to share, then I know I'm bringing stewardship and I know there's growth that's going to come into my life. This is what disciples do. This is what disciples, in fact, live to do. And I want you to know why they do it is because once you start being generous, once you start serving and once you start sharing, you get addicted to it. And see, we think that consuming is addictive and it is, but there's a much greater addiction because there's a much greater joy. You know, you think that you get joy out of buying a $500 pair of tennis shoes. You get way more joy. Out of giving. Yeah, way more. I'm telling you guys, this is the path of Jesus. This is the way of life. But see, what our culture wants us to do is they want us, they want us to stuff ourselves so full that we can't release a word from God because we're too full as consumers and we would say that we're growing but we're just becoming unhealthy we would say that we're getting bigger but truly we're just being weighed down we're not able to sprint with God in the spirit because we're so weighed down by everything that we're consuming and amassing and acquiring and our closets are full but our spirits are empty I I knew Asaph would get with me And what I said earlier today, guys, is really what I hope to address and to speak into your spirits because I do want you to know that I think it's not just you that's suffering from that. I understand what it's like to look for answers in a shoebox, you know? I mean, I love my shoes, right, Kristen? We got the the same shoes, Kristen and I. You know, I like nice stuff. I get life from going to Nordstrom. It brings life into my spirit, you know? I have encounters. Uh, I'm like, yes, Lord, let me try those on. Woo, I feel the glory. Hallelujah. You know, and I try to spiritualize it. I try to use it as an opportunity for evangelism to the men that work in the shoe department. Where you go to church, man? Hey, can I get a size uh, 41 and those right there? Yeah, European size, that's right. But this is the way of Christ, guys. And this is where I feel like God's pulling us to to go. It's to go in an opposite spirit. And it's really hard to move in that spirit when we're weighed down by the cycle of consumerism over our lives. And I just want you guys to become more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And can I tell you that even though you might be uncomfortable for a season, it will open up a door of favor for a lifetime. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, who's willing to get uncomfortable with me? You know, who's willing to to cast off 
the bonds of our culture that say you got to get more. You got to be more. You got to be better than everybody else. You got to have more stuff. You got to make more money. You got to get more, you, you know, just more. And that's the goal of our culture to get more. But that's not the goal of the kingdom. The goal of the kingdom is to be like Jesus. And oftentimes being like Jesus looking, looks like having less in the natural but having way more in the spirit. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get you guys to give anything today. I'm not trying to get you to do anything today. Okay, all right, I'll, sure, I'll take an offer. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm joking. But I really do feel, and I didn't even get to my scripture. Is that okay? Okay, we'll post both podcasts, and then you can listen to what I was supposed to preach. And I, I preach in the first service, so if you want to, you can listen. So, are you guys getting anything out of it? Cool, because I... You guys want to give after this? I mean, we can. I don't, I don't mind. I'm not going to forbid it, because... You know, every when I okay, so I don't know if you went to a church like this growing up. When I went to a church, when I went to church growing up, people would get up and they would throw money. So nobody else did this, but I was a part of one of those weird churches. But people would get up and they would throw money, and here's why: uh, when they heard a word they liked, because they wanted to sow it into the anointing in the moment in which the opportunity was there, right? So they say, oh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna connect my faith." To something that I want to see God do, so I'm going to sow into it right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't throw your credit cards up here. We don't have anything to do with it. We don't we don't need those. So I need to close. So I'm going to close. But you know, maybe maybe much of the message today was more of a maybe more of a flow. Uh, than it was a sermon. But I just, I feel like this is where God's leading us to go. And I don't know where it's going to take us. And I got to be honest, like it is a little bit scary because when you think about uh, letting go of the past so that you can step into your future, that's very scary because a lot of times our past is actually what brings us comfort. We hold on to our dysfunction because it's the only ally we have in our season. They say, oh man, I got to hold on to this because it's the only thing that's familiar. It's the only thing that you've known for so many years. All you've known for years is this dysfunction. So it's become like your partner in crime. And God's saying, hey, I want to bring you into the future, but you got to let go of your past. You're like, man, I can't step into that unfamiliar territory because this is bringing me comfort. And I finished with this in the first service. I'll finish with this in the second it was um, a, a moment in my life, guys, honestly, where I was pursuing God wholeheartedly with everything I had. I was giving God my everything. I, I moved to a new city to go after God as best I could. And, and uh, it, was a, it was just a time in which I, I felt like I was facing an obstacle so consistently, so continually, and I could not push through it. I could not get through it. And I was praying, God, deliver me from this. God, help me with this. I don't know what's happening in my life. I just feel like I'm stuck. Anybody ever been stuck before? I just feel like I'm stuck. I can't get through it. God, if you just take this away, if you just deal with this obstacle, if you just destroy this giant that's standing in my path, then I could step into my future. 
If you've ever been there before, let me hear you say amen. amen. God, I've been praying about this for months. I've been talking to my friends about this for months. I've been going up and asking for prayer about this for months. I went to that meeting at that conference looking for a prophetic word because I thought somebody would help me get through this for months. But it hasn't happened. And could I say this to you this morning? Maybe you're not stuck. Maybe you just stopped. Maybe you're not stuck. Maybe you just stopped. Maybe what you need to hear today is just keep going. Because what the Lord told me in that season was, he said, Lyle, what's happening to you in the present, you have to defeat in the present so that you can step into your promise, so that you can move into your future. I'm not going to take this giant out of your way. I need you to slay this giant because when you slay this giant, you're going to begin to recognize the strength that I've put on the inside of you. So I'm not going to deliver you from this problem. I need you to deliver you from this problem. I'm with you. I'm behind you, but I need you to run toward Goliath. I need you to release that stone and slay that giant. I'm not going to deliver you from it. I need you to step over it. So whatever it is, whatever your obstacle is, whatever your giant is, whatever's standing in your path, and then you've been praying, you've been asking God to deliver you from, so you're just like, "Ah, I'm just stopping. I'm in a rut. I'm in a rut. You know what a rut is? It's a a grave with the ends hollowed out. Keep going. Keep sharing. Keep giving. Keep being generous. Keep sowing. Keep giving, you know, keep giving and blessing and serving and volunteering and doing everything that you can to bless people. Don't hoard it. Don't start consuming. Just keep moving in that spirit of Christ. Is that good? Awesome. You guys stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I bless my friends right now. Bless my family. Bless our church. And I pray today that this seed uh, from you, God, that you would cover right now and that you would protect in Jesus' name. And that each and every seed that's been sown would bear 100-fold fruit in our lives. That our worlds would be transformed as a result of the transformation that's happening in us today. God, we ask you to pour out favor, pour out blessing upon our lives as we stand and as we stoop down with Jesus. Lord, give us the courage to face the giant that stands in the path. Lord, give us the strength. Give us the focus. Give us the clarity. Bring encouragement to us today that we might step into it completely. I pray in Jesus' name. And God, we strengthen one another right now. If you don't mind, just drop your hands and grab the person's hand next to you. If you don't know them, you'll know them in just a moment. And I just want to ask you, just, just pray for that person right now. And if you don't know what to pray, that's all right. Just speak strength. Just speak power. Just speak favor. Just speak blessing. Just speak the pure and the good things. Yeah, God. Bless my brother. Bless my sister.